We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. And there it is. LaTroy Hawkins puts the finishing touch to give Greg Maddox his 300th career win. The 22nd pitcher in the history of baseball to collect 300 wins in a career. We're back with more Inside the Clubhouse with Bruce Levine and David Haw on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com, a radio.com sports station presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook. Welcome back to Inside the Clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. I'm David Haw with Bruce Levine until 11 o'clock and that was a highlight from the final out of Greg Maddox's third 300th career victory what a memory that was and that brings us to our guest hotline brought to you by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas home of the world's largest sports book it's a great pleasure to bring in uh my friend Greg Maddox to talk to you and me David uh guy is uh legendary as we know for what he did on the field uh very few people have had the the great uh, pleasure to get to know him like I have as a friend, and uh, it's 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 a lot of fun being being friends with Greg Maddox. Good morning, Greg. How are you today? I'm doing great, thank you. Uh, Want to talk a little ball with you, and you know some perspective about uh, you know what's going on these days. I know you told me you know recently you don't watch a lot of baseball. You were coaching, I know for. Uh, uh, for your son Chase uh, at uh, UNLV for a long time as an assistant pit- pitching coach, but um, what what is it about uh, baseball right now that interests or doesn't interest Greg Maddox? Oh, I'm interested in it. Uh, you know, I just don't follow it as close as I used to, but uh, you know, I enjoyed watching the Braves last year go out through the playoffs, and uh, uh, you know. I watch it. I just don't follow it like I used to. And uh, to me, it's still a great game. It's still a great game. It's, uh, uh, you know, it's played slightly different than, you know, when I played it a decade ago. But, uh, you know, it's all good. It's all good. I enjoy it. I enjoy, I enjoy watching the pitchers. The, the, the pitchers now, uh, you know, it's just like when we played. Uh, they throw a little harder. Uh but the ones that execute the most pitches are the ones that still win. You know, it's still a pitching contest out there. It's not a, it's not a speed contest. You know, Greg, you look at what the Braves were able to do, and the, the trade deadline, as the Cubs were unloading and other teams were unloading, the Braves were making moves, and they, re, they redefined who they were and what their roster looked like and their outfield. And then they went on this run, which is now magical and historic. And when you look at the takeaway, the copycat, 
implications of what they did in winning the World Series. Every year there is one. What is the takeaway from the Braves winning the World Series? Well, you know, it's great for the city of Atlanta and and the organization, obviously. But, uh, you know, that's that's the beauty of baseball. Any team, if they get hot, they can run through anybody. You know, uh, you know the, the, the 160 games really does, doesn't mat- mean a whole lot when the postseason rolls around. It's the, you know, it's the team that pitches and gets hot and gets the two-out RBIs is going to be the team that wins it all. And, uh, uh, you know, you get momentum in your dugout and you ride it for as long as you can, and the Braves were able to do that. I have two questions for you in, in this, this little segment here. Number one, uh, will you get back in with a Major League Baseball team anytime soon? Do you have any... Do you have any desire to do that now that your your kids are adults, they're out of the house, they're doing great? Uh, do you have any desire to do that first and foremost? Uh, I'm really enjoying retirement right now. You know, I think uh, uh, I've been out of it and, and, you know, for about two years now, and, and, and I'm really liking retirement. But, you know, Never say never. You never know what's going to happen down the road. But as of now, I'm very content, you know, being 100% retired, enjoying life and all the travel and all that that goes along with it. Tell us a little bit about uh, your daughter Paige's uh, charity that, uh, that we can look at at www.ballerdream.org and uh, the online uh, event that you guys had the other day. Yeah, she... Uh, she was working with Brady's Children's Hospital for, uh, you know, the last years, last four or five years. And uh, she started a new job with the Ballers Foundation, which started in uh, Scottsdale, Arizona. And they're going to open up a branch here in Vegas. And they uh, asked her if she would run it. So uh, uh, she's starting a new job. And she's it's going to bring her back to Vegas, which is good for us. We'll get to see her more. And, uh proud of her she's doing good things for good people and uh she's helping a lot of kids out and and making their lives better talking with hall of famer greg maddox here on chicago sports radio 670 the score and greg it's great that you're enjoying retirement and and obviously a lot of teams would probably love to have you in their organization but let's say one like the cubs were to ask you to at least take a, a weekend to talk to their young pitching prospects gather them in a room put them in a clubhouse and you had to basically say, you know, this is one piece of advice or one, one theme to remember in talking to young pitching prospects today, what would it be? Well, it's just, uh, you know, uh, I always tried every time I went to the ballpark, I always tried to do something a little bit better. And, uh, uh, it takes a long time to get good and you have to remain patient and you just have to improve that little bit. Uh, each time you go to the ballpark, uh, and you know it could be something stupid. It could be fielding a bunt better, or or learning pitch location a little bit better, or maybe figuring out something about one of the opposing team's hitters. You know, it's just as long as you can do one thing that's going to help you when it's your turn to pitch next. I think that's kind of that's kind of the goal. I think is to you have to want to get better. You know, I think uh, not all pitchers have that desire you know i think some have it more than others and uh you know you don't just walk out there and you're better than the other guy you know you really have to work at it greg maddox joining us in inside the clubhouse for just a few more minutes and uh greg the hall of fame uh, vote is up here uh 
all of our ballots as writers have to be in by December 31st. <clears throat> Talk mm-hmm. a little bit about uh, Andrew Jones and uh, uh, the impact he had, because if you look at the overall numbers, yeah, he had a lot of home runs, he had a lot of gold gloves, but uh, the the impact that he had directly on you and your teammates as far as those great winning years in Atlanta. Well, I mean, I don't think he gets enough credit for his defense, personally. I think, uh, uh, hands down, the best center fielder, uh, you know, for about, I don't know, 10 or 15 years when he first came up. And, uh, you know, if you look at somebody like Ozzie Smith, who's in the Hall of Fame because of defense, uh, and rightly so, I think you have to put Andrew pretty close to his caliber defensively. I mean, he did things in the outfield that uh, other teams couldn't do. And, you know, as our pitching, you know, we, we got bailed out you know, once or twice a night by Andrew, it seemed like. And uh, just what a huge difference in games. You know, he always seemed to make that one play a game that, you know, kind of took that extra momentum, the double away from the other team. Uh, you know, we, we we used to joke that, you know, you have to get 27 outs to win. Well, Andrew, you know, would save us one or two a night, and the other team would give us one or two a night. So, you know, we had to get 25 outs, and they had to get 29. So, uh, that's kind of how we looked at it. We uh, really appreciated what he did defensively. And anything he did with the bat seemed to be a bonus. And, you know, he did a lot of damage with his bat as well. And, you know, Greg, another guy on the ballot, obviously here in Chicago, Mark Burley, that conversation tends to veer toward the importance of starting pitching. And I have said that over time, Mark Burley's numbers, the 214 victories, even if he might not be a quote-unquote Hall of Famer now, the, the weight of those numbers will be heavier over time because starting pitching doesn't seem to be valued as baseball evolves as much as it used to. The trend toward openers and guys are celebrated for going five innings. What do you think of that direction and, and what's happening in terms of the value or importance of a starting pitcher in Major League Baseball? Yeah, I mean, obviously it's going to make, you know, uh, the Hall of Fame is supposed to be the top 1% get in, you know, so you have to be in the top 1% to to have consideration and uh uh you know that's uh there's there's a lot of very quality pitchers out there that that barely fall short of that one percent you know i think oral hersheiser's one uh kurt schilling might be one you know there's there's a ton of guys out there that might be in the two or three percent so uh you know it's it's uh it's tough to get in uh it's going to be harder for starting pitchers you know like the quota was kind of 300 wins, and then there's some exceptions after that. You know, I think that's how it goes for starting pitchers. Uh, who knows? You might see more relievers start popping in there now. Who knows what's going to happen down the road? But, uh, you know, I can't – I don't know much about Mark Burley's career. I'd have to look at his numbers and, and, and all that to, to really give you an honest answer of, of, of what I think. But, uh, you know, it's – Again, it's supposed to be the top 1%. If Greg Maddox had a vote for the Hall of Fame, what would his criteria be when it came to, like, suspected or known, you know, steroid users? How would you you get your head around that? Yeah, that's kind of a tough one. You know, I think there's, there's, you know, if you take Barry and Clemens, for example, I think – I don't know if they were, were were they found guilty or suspected or how did no. I don't know I'm not sure how it all Just turned suspected. out but I know right. that I know that 
before all that stuff happened, I think Bonds and Clemens were definite Hall of Famers. You know, I think they did plenty to warrant a Hall of Fame vote before all the stuff happened. You know, I think there there are certain players that, because of steroids, were good players. But I think these guys were good players before all that stuff happened. So, uh, you know, I'm okay with with those guys getting in, you know, uh, just because they earned it before they were suspected. And, you know, some guys you knew were good only because they took it. So I think, you know, you have to kind of <laughs> – you have to kind of set the criteria. You know, there might be a little bit of a double standard in there, but, uh, you know, I'm okay with Bonds and Clemens. I think they were definite Hall of Famers before all the accusations started. As you enjoy your retirement, Greg, do you think there will be a day where Las Vegas welcomes a Major League Baseball franchise, whether it's a relocation or an expansion team? Yeah. Well, you know, I'm hearing talk. I'm hearing talk. Uh, I've heard uh, the year 2028 thrown out a little bit out here in Vegas. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. I know the uh, the Knights and the Raiders are here now, and uh, the city's behind them 100%. I don't see why they wouldn't get behind a baseball team as well. So, uh, uh, you know, it's a great place to live. It's a great place to play baseball. The weather here is good. It does get a little hot in the summer, but I'm sure they can work around that. Uh, but uh, I would welcome a franchise here in Vegas in a heartbeat. A couple of your former teammates told me that you helped them significantly when you were a young pitcher with the Cubs uh, before you went to Atlanta uh, in, in helping uh, pick pitch selection and, and call games. Um, do you remember this being a part of, you know, what you did for teammates? And, uh, and, and how did that go? You know, I remember Mike Morgan and Frank Castillo both telling me that, that you helped them uh, – win a lot of games because of your influence on those particular games from the bench. Well, I think we all work together. I think they helped me as well, too. So, uh, uh, you know, as, as a starting pitcher, as any, really, even any, any pitcher, I think uh, we do spend a lot of time discussing hitters around the league, uh, pitch sequences, stuff like that. I think that's, uh, that's all part of trying to get better. You know, everybody thinks – Everybody thinks if I can make my slider break more, if I could add two or three miles an hour on my fastball, I'll get better. And, you know, that there's truth to that. But uh, mm-hmm. also another way to get better is improve your pitch selection. You know, it's uh, like I said earlier, it's it's always going to be a pitching contest. It's not a speed contest. And uh, uh, pitch selection is, is turns it into a, a pitching contest instead of just, you know, you don't want to be out there just brain dead chucking. <laughs> With uh, with uh, with way that batters approach baseball now, would you pitch any differently? And how often how often did you pitch to batters' strengths and weaknesses as opposed to your own? Uh, well, it's it's a combination of both. You know, you always stick to your strengths and know when to go to the hitter's weakness if it's not one of your strengths. I think uh, uh, the strike zones changed a lot. You know, I think uh, we got a little bit maybe off the plate, you know, but the pitchers now seem to be getting a lot up in the strike zone. So I think, I think I would, I would probably have learned to pitch up better. I think, and try to take advantage of that high strike. You know, I think, uh, I mean, I'm seeing, you know, belly button high curveballs called strikes and, you know, we kind of had to throw our curveball 
we had to throw it down to get it called. And, you know, same thing with the fastballs. We threw fastballs up to try to, you know, pop hitters up or, or get a foul ball or something like that. Now they're being called strikes. So I think uh, definitely, definitely would have made an honest effort to pitch up better just based on the strike zone. But uh, that would probably be the, the only difference I see now as opposed to, you know, 15 years ago. I think he would have thrown about five no hitters uh, in, in this year. I really, you know, and that's that's not blowing smoke your way, Greg. It's just the reality of what 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 you see out there, right? Pitching wise and and the way hitters approach. Yeah, I mean, there's uh, you know, it's they definitely you know it's definitely more of a home run derby game back then than you know than our day, you know. The, our day, we had one or two guys on the team that played home run derby. Now it seems like they got seven or eight. But, uh, you know, you still have to execute pitches and, and, and throw the ball where, where you want to have success. And, you know, stuff is good, but, you know, location usually wins. Last thing before we let you go, Greg, and really appreciate your time. So, obviously, every time Kyle Hendricks pitches and has a, a strong start, you, you it's, it's referred to in Chicago kind of Maddox-like. And the comparisons are there because he is what we refer to as sort of the thinking man's pitcher. And he doesn't have to blow people away in ways that you, you see so often. Who are the pitchers you like watching? And, and do you have an appreciation for Kyle Hendricks specifically and watch him closely because of what I just described? Every time he goes out, you know that he's trying to stay one step ahead. Yeah, I, I've seen him pitch some games and really appreciate what he does out there. Uh, we did a lot of things the same way. So it's kind of nice to see that still working, you know, decades later. Uh, you know, I enjoy – there's not many guys left, but, you know, I, I, I enjoy the guys that, that were kind of on their way up and I was on my way out. You know, I enjoy watching Grinky Pitch and Kershaw and guys like that. Uh, you know, just uh, <clears throat> Kluber, I enjoy watching him pitch a lot. Verlander's fun to watch pitch. You know, all, all the good ones, all, all the guys that – obviously have good stuff but they're also good pitchers as well so when 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 you can combine you know your your stuff your arsenal with with pitch selection and location and and make pitches all night long uh it's kind of fun to watch www.ballerdream.org is where you can find a great charity to donate this uh holiday season to uh Paige Maddox and uh, Greg Maddox. You can find Greg on Twitter at Greg Maddox. He will. You can also uh, donate uh, with Greg as well. My friend, I have a wonderful holiday season. Thanks so much for all the the great talk uh, with David and myself. And uh, we'll be talking to you soon. And I hope you shoot a seventy-one today. Okay. Thanks, Greg. Well, I appreciate it. I would take that in a heartbeat. <laughs> all right. We'll see Take you guys. Care. All Thanks right, a lot. Thanks for Greg Maddox, Hall of Fame pitcher with the Braves and the Cubs and the Dodgers and the Padres, and just a, one of baseball's great guys, Bruce. Uh, yeah, that's a lot of fun. That was that was great getting him on oh, and man. talking pitching and everything else. Talk about getting a PhD in pitching. Uh, imagine him just being in an organization as you suggested, David, uh, coming back and just being a consultant, a pitching consultant yep. for any team or for five teams. Like, who wouldn't want to share Greg Maddox as far as his pitching acumen? It wouldn't, well, it wouldn't hurt anybody else if he's helping all the pitchers out. I mean, that this is one of the true geniuses 
uh, of the game of baseball, and, the way that just, uh, the way he pitched. And just a good guy, Bruce. I know your relationship goes back to when he was with the Cubs, and and I, you know, ha- have covered him as well. But I got to tell you. It, Going back, when I see Greg Maddox, everybody's got their own frame of reference. I was a 21-year-old intern in 1989 watching, uh, and I was working at the South Bend Tribune, and I was assigned to go cover the Cubs, and Greg Maddox was in the midst of a really good year. I think he won 19 games that year. Was I nice I was to you that day, David, or did you I tell you to You were rude to me, Bruce. I've never forgiven you <laughs> since, and that's why I, it's my goal every week to make you pay for that. So... <laughs> Anyway, I walk into the Cubs clubhouse, and I grew up a Cub fan. And I was learning at that point, you know, the difference between fandom and, and professional obligation. And Greg Maddox was a guy that I thought the world of, like everybody, who watched him pitch. He was young. He was on the rise. And I was nervous. And I think that I asked him for a sit-down or an interview, and he, you know, you don't know what you're going to get. And he said, and he could tell I was nervous. And he said, okay, pull up a chair. We sat, at his club, we, we sat in front of his locker in the clubhouse at old at Wrigley Field, in those old clubhouses where it was all cramped and there were people walking around us, Bruce, and you were probably grumbling at this kid intern taking up all the space. And Greg Maddox gave me 15 you, you minutes. You bet I was. You bet I was. And it felt like two hours. And it's something I remember every time I saw him. He is a decent guy. And as you can hear in his voice, a guy that's got time for everybody. I really appreciate <laughs> and respect all that he accomplished, not just because he won 355 games, because that's a good guy doing it. He said one of his greatest memories when he retired, he told me, was uh, being a Cub and a cameraman shoving each other for position in front of his locker and that, that he couldn't stop laughing during, during the interview and afterwards because it was, it, was, it was so crazy that two people would be fighting for space in front of his locker to get best position for an interview. I remember it like it was yesterday. It was probably like 1990. That was such a cramped spot, though, wasn't it? That was such a small clubhouse. Oh, my gosh. This guy was bigger than me. It was tough shoving him back, but uh, I I got my position. Bruce, I learned early on. Radio guys had to get in there. In any clubhouse, in any dugout, you don't mess with you, Bruce. You are the one who gets the position. You got the pole position. You're right there every single day. How do you do it? And and that's why why I'm so hated, David. I mean, it's, it's, it's a wonderful thing to know exactly where you stand when you walk into a ballpark whether it's a media or players or management, uh, knowing knowing how you stand and uh, who likes you and who doesn't, that's that's one of the keys to life that's never talked about. Well, Bruce, it's my goal every Saturday morning to rehabilitate your image, and we will continue uh, on that quest. Good to you. Yeah. When we come back, we're going to recap the Cubs and the White Sox 2021s. What stood out to you? 312-644-6767. What was the biggest takeaway? What will you remember most from 2021, if you're a Cubs fan, you might want to forget. Or if you're a White Sox fan, you might might want to cherish. Call us. Let us know. 312-644-6767. Inside the clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio 670, the score. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. 
You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Baseball is back. And so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Well, I mean, you know, I'm not going to talk about myself. But, you know, the, the uh, process I've used, well, once I had a little security, probably about the fifth or sixth year was, do they want you back? Because you don't want to come back because you had a contract. And I just, I just leave if they don't want you back. They say yes, and you ask the players, you know. You know, they, they should choose who they want to manage. If you get both of those, then you check yourself. Welcome back inside the clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio, 6-7 to score. David Hoffman, Levine until 11 o'clock. That was the familiar voice of Tony LaRusa. Haven't heard from Tony in a while. Haven't heard from anybody in too long because of the baseball lockout. But, Bruce, he was putting the 2021 season in perspective, which is something we'll try to do here. White Sox, to me, was the, were the biggest story in town, one of the big stories in baseball. You can't look at what they accomplished without you know, declaring that. That's an easy one for me. A lot of takeaways on both sides of town. Where do you want to start? And also, uh, this is interactive, so 312-644-6767. Call or text us what you think your biggest takeaway was from the 2021 seasons for the White Sox or the Cubs, depending on your fandom, perspectives, or otherwise. What about you, Bruce? David, the White Sox were the story all year long, but the biggest story was on the north side where in an unprecedented move during the, the late July period, the Cubs traded away iconic players within a 10-day period uh, that the likes of something that they had never done in, the, in their history, trading away uh, championship caliber players, household names, guys that will go on down in history, guys that will have statues, guys that will uh, have streets named after them, uh, all within a week, some in a couple days, uh, in a very unceremonious way of saying goodbye to what what most most people argue is the greatest period in uh, Chicago Cub history. Uh, maybe it, it didn't equal, you know, 1906 through 1910, with four pennants and the two World Series wins. But, you know, in, in modern times in baseball, it doesn't get any more symbolic or uh, big than trading Rizzo, Bryant, and Baez. And uh, by the way, putting the icing on the cake, uh, Kimbrel uh, to the White Sox across town. That was, uh, that was the biggest story for me of 2021 in Chicago. Was was it an easy answer to this question, or is it an easy answer to you? If I ask, did it have to happen? Did it have to happen? Did they have to trade everybody, Bruce? Did they have to wave the white flag to the extent that they surrendered at that point in time when the Atlanta Braves and St. Louis Cardinals were in the same situation, they decided not to, and they both made the playoffs? 
Well, if I told you that Javier Baez turned down a, uh, a deal for $180 million or that uh, Rizzo turned down a deal for, uh, you know, an average of $20 million a year or uh, Bryant turned down a deal that might have been an average of $30 million a year uh, in talking stages, does, this, does the answer change? Okay, so I'd say, I'd say, you know, chickening out is what I'm doing because I'm giving you an incomplete answer because <laughs> all of that hasn't been established. Once the only people that can answer that are the Chicago Cub fans. Okay, those are the ones that really have to answer that. And once once they get their their head around where were their offers better, and I'm going to repeat this: were their offers better by the Cubs that the, than these guys end up with? Still an incomplete story for two of them. Then we'll have a better way of deciding whether or not your question is uh, how, how your question is answered. In other words, did it have to happen? And we go to the text line, and the text zone is brought to you by Rosen Hyundai of Algonquin. Save time. Shop online at rosenhyundai.com. And Bruce 217 asks a very good question. Is there a clear plan in place from Jed and company for the direction this franchise to continue its sustained success? And based on, based on the question and based on the direction, they better have a plan. I think they do. So that, uh, if you want to give them the benefit of the doubt, you say the answer will come over time and you can't answer it now because the prospects that were acquired in all those historic trades need time to develop. And if they do as they, as they might, then we'll have a different answer in three years than we do right now. Back in the day, we used a Ouija board. I don't know if you remember what a Ouija board was, but it, it gave answers to questions that nobody really had good answers for. And uh, I would say we could we could we consult with the Ouija board about uh, whether or not what the Cubs plan is, because uh, getting Marcus Stroman, uh, getting, getting Marcus uh, Stroman uh, to me through all my indications off of what I thought the Cubs rebuild was going to be in 2021. I thought it was going to be a slow roll and that, uh, you know, they would take their time rebuilding this team to a, a, a team that could w- even win in their division with two uh, outstanding teams, the Cardinals and the uh, Brewers in it. And uh, now my belief is that they're going to spend a lot more money and that bringing in a guy like Korea is not a pipe dream necessarily, mm-hmm. but something that could be uh, a reality uh, in the near future for the Cubs if and when uh, the players and the owners decide to get a CBA done. I, I think it's an interesting debate whether or not the Cubs surrendering was a bigger story in Chicago baseball in 2021 than the White Sox triumphing, celebrating, because I think that if you look at, you know, it's one's a negative story, one's a very positive story. I don't think either answer necessarily is wrong, but it's certainly those were the two themes playing out on, on both sides of town, very different outcomes, very different mentalities and approaches. And, Bruce, we still are paying attention to, okay, Javi Baez, okay, he's a Detroit Tiger. Chris Bryant, well, there's rumors about him going still other places we don't know yet. And Anthony Rizzo, who – we make news, or we, we consider it news, when he moves out of his apartment, which he did earlier this week, according to what he said um, on Ian Happ's podcast, I believe. But this is also, a, we have a clip from Anthony Rizzo, which I think you believe sums up adequately and accurately what happened in 2021. Anthony, if you have one message that you'd like to send to Cubs fans far and wide, what would it be? That I love them, that I love you guys. Um, 
it's just the best best years, best time of my life. Um, and you know, it's it's I don't know, there's so much right now. It's it's hard. I, I think you know, even a couple of weeks when we come back to play the White Sox, I'll be able to talk more on it. But right now, it's nothing but love. You okay, there, Thanks Bruce? to Marquis and uh, Cole Wright for that soundbite as well. And uh, you yeah, okay David, there, Bruce? I, I mean, he, he dusty said it, there. He, <laughs> it, it uh, I mean, look, uh, you know, Anthony Rizzo, I consider a friend and, 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 a, and a great uh, Chicagoan, uh, the way that he went about, you know, taking the money that he earned and turning it around into a great charity that raised millions and millions of dollars for cancer research for Lurie Hospital and a pediatric uh, cancer research. I mean, it doesn't get any better to me than Anthony Rizzo, but it, as far as uh, them them trading him or moving him, that's a totally different story. Okay. Knowing him as well as you do, knowing the terrain as well as you do, how much regret, if any, do you think that he feels for turning down the Cubs offer, which I I have was on record as saying I thought it was a low ball offer. I thought that he could do better, but he turned it down. Seventy million five years was reported, Bruce, back in the spring about you know, last before spring training, I think it was, or right around that time, do you think he regrets saying no to the Cubs at that point? I don't think so. Not at that point. I don't think he looks at it that way now. I think, I think Rizzo is going to end up getting a two or three year deal with a AAV somewhere between seventeen and twenty million dollars, and uh, that's, no chance, that's, no chance, no, no Why? way. He's not worth it. No, Anthony Rizzo at eighteen million dollars per year. What, what do you think he was making when he walked out of town? With his back issues? I mean, it's an injury question. That's, a, that's the equation. No way. I, he's going to be lucky to get, I think, more per year than his contract he turned down. I don't know that he's a guy that you can trust in terms of his health. If I think if, if, if that weren't the case, he'd have had more activity and possibility before the lockout. Well, I mean, he was making 17 17- He's he should get paid less for what he contributed on the field this year. Contracts are projections, and I think if you project Anthony Rizzo out, I, I, I think I'm you saying have to a worry. shorter term. What the mistake that they might have made overall dollars wise, maybe, but um, he's a short term deal guy. He's a two or three year deal guy. Okay. Okay. At this point, he's going to play at 33 in August. Okay. Uh, the guy brings a lot of intangibles, including being one of the best defenders at his position and the fact that uh, he makes an awful lot of contact and uh, sees a lot of pitches. I think, I think he's undervalued in a lot of ways, but is, is his career, uh, is he less a player than he was three or four years ago? Probably so. You know, He's not probably going to put up the 30 and, uh, and 95 to 100 like he did. But is he is he a valuable piece to a championship team, championship caliber team? I think so. Looking back, Bruce, and I want to make sure that uh, I don't uh, forget or neglect to, to to point this out. We, over time, you know, we're asking the biggest takeaways from from the past season. I don't know if this is right or wrong. It's just the way that I look back at it. It surprises me as much as we celebrated the White Sox and as much as they accomplished in getting to the playoffs and winning the division. It's still, in retrospect, it seemed hard. It seemed harder than it maybe needed to be or seemed maybe we didn't give them enough credit as it was happening because the the narrative became, well, they can't beat anybody 
with uh, who's better than 500, and they can't beat playoff teams. And I think over right. time, now people will say, well, hey, I told you so. Look at the playoffs. So that was the White Sox takeaway. For the Cubs, I think that after you get past the – the the great trade the great sell off the great that day with everybody left town the emergence of guys considered no name players you know the the guys who were you know it's a schwindy city now in in the north side and and Patrick Wisdom and the guys who you didn't expect to be stealing headlines in September were making news in September for the Cubs and so those from a baseball perspective were the two things that when I look back at 2021 stand out for me. I think Cub fans were pleasantly surprised to be able to move away from all the conversation and angst of uh, when when those guys are going to get traded. I thought it I thought it was tedious. Um, they were a couple months of the year, and then once the bullpen started to tire, um, you know, the starting pitcher was pitching was not good all year long as as it was projected. Uh, it just it just was never very good, and it's going to probably be a lot better already just by the couple moves that they made. But uh, you know, to look at um, you know to look at the totality of uh, you know the the Cubs season, I, I would say that uh, you know it, it it's Cub fans probably really enjoyed seeing guys going out there, new guys busting their butt and uh, and fighting for wins, even though they weren't very good. Because if you look at what Cub and White Sox baseball is all about as a fan. It's not, yeah, you want to win and you want to go to the World Series every year, but th- that's not the essence of being a fan. That, that, that has nothing to do with it. I mean, it's, it's all about cheering for a guy that's out there busting his butt and doing some things and maybe a new name that hadn't done it anymore. You saw it, you saw it at the, the first month of the year with the White Sox and Mercedes. Right. I mean, was there a bigger story in baseball than Mercedes' first month? You the Yerminator. Dominated. Right. Absolutely right. true. Bruce six three oh text in. Let's face it, as much as we have thought the thought of letting the core we hated the thought of letting the core go. The primary problem with the Cubs in the postseason beyond twenty sixteen was offense. Three one two. Biggest takeaway from the White Sox twenty twenty one season, defense matters. That's their glaring weakness. Second base, corner, outfielder, and catcher shore it up. I agree. Really good uh text. Uh look, for me the biggest story for the White Sox was how Tony LaRusso would fit in and would he get in the way of their winning? Uh, that was, that was a, a huge story coming in. It was a huge national story that a guy would come back at age 77. Would he be able to relate? Would he be able to get the most out of them? Uh, would he be uh, pushed out by the players? And uh, I think it worked out beautifully for the White Sox. Yeah, there was a bumpy road with Mercedes, but Mercedes turned out to be, you know, just what he was, and that was a flash in the pan and a very good one that helped them win in April. But nonetheless, you know, don't, don't count on Mercedes having a major league career after this. We saw the very best of, uh, of a guy that uh, got the most out of his ability for a month of the season. Bruce, I have a lingering Hall of Fame question I want to ask you when we come back for our final segment, and it re- involves the Cubs and Sammy Sosa. We'll address that when we come back inside the Clubhouse Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. Apparently this show is about you talking. Goodbye. <laughs> Welcome back inside the Clubhouse Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. Yeah, it is about us talking. Bruce Levine, David Haw for a final segment of 2021. And Bruce, I referenced my value, the, the value I placed in Rob Manfred's 
exoneration, if you will, of David Ortiz and the weight that that carried for me when you have baseball's top executive. I know that he has his reputation problems. I know that he has his image issues, but he is still the top executive in baseball, and I give that some respect. So when he says what he said about David Ortiz, I factored that into my thinking with the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. And I mentioned that as the context because I wonder what you think of this. I wonder if you believe, as I, I am inclined to, that the Cubs' stance, the Cubs' hardline stance on Sammy Sosa has instructed unintentionally Hall voters how to think of him. And I don't know how it would have gone if it would have been the other way. Hey, Sammy, come back to Wrigley. Let us fly the flag let us put 21 on it. Let us have you throw out the first pitch and have you worship or have you have you wave to your adoring fans who worship you. And had Tom Ricketts decided to take a stance that was more pro Sammy, that was more forgiving, if you will, that his Hall of Fame candidacy might have been uh, a harder thing to ignore. And I don't know. I don't know if, if, if they're related or not, but I have to wonder as we see him likely drop off the ballot. I, I think your, your point is well taken. I, I really do. I, I believe that not having a connection with that team that you were so impactful on, that you were the marketing guru for. Yeah, you had John McDonough and Jay Blanca as, as the guys that were running the marketing department, but all they had for a good majority of 10 years was Sammy Sosa and hitting baseballs out of the ballpark and entertaining the fans and running hard to first base and running out to the outfield and greeting the fans. Yeah, I, I think the, the lack of connection with the Cubs over the years here has really hurt his candidacy. And I think your point is well taken, that a, uh, a stronger commitment and stronger connection with Major League Baseball now would have certainly helped him uh, get more votes. I, I don't know if it would have put him over the top here, you know, p- people talk about the steroids, but they also, you know, you forget sometimes about the uh, broken bat and, and you know, the, uh, the oh, Super Bowls coming out of it. You know, oh, I mean, what was that? Right. First? Entertainment. So, right. I mean, uh, but Sammy was, look, Sammy was one of the greatest players in Chicago Cub history. There's no taking that away. You cannot wipe that out. You can have your suspicions. You can be angry that he might have gotten some help along the way. But uh, there's no question that if you build a Mount Rushmore of Chicago Cub players, Sosa has to be on it. Let's squeeze in a quick phone call before we uh, say goodbye. The score listener line powered by BetQL, Bet Smarter, and Beat the Books. That's where we find Zach on 294. Good morning, Zach. Morning. Thank you for taking my call. Uh, lifelong Cub fan. I just wanted to give like my biggest takeaway. Um, I think the young pitchers that kind of came up from within the system, Justin Steele and Keegan Thompson, can be big pieces going forward and to help rebuild the starting rotation, which has been the Cubs' problem for so many years. Uh, I think Justin Steele has the potential to maybe be a top of the line guy going forward. Just wanted to get your guys' thoughts on that. Thank you, Bruce. See, that's what I mean, David. The positivity of what you see by fans and looking forward, that's what fandom's all about, and that's exactly right. what Zach is. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's something we, you know, we skipped over, but those two young pitchers can be impactful for the Cubs going forward. They have work to do, but you know, that, that is the hope. And the, I, I, I just love that call because it just reminds me how important uh, the fans' you know, interest in 
in both the Cubs and White Sox how much it matters. Uh, it matters because we're able to do this show every week as well. That's the beauty of it. So uh, with that, uh, I'm going to uh, take time to thank you uh, so much for being a great partner all year long. Thank Mitch Rosen and everybody at the score for being uh, great teammates and great people to work for. Uh, thank uh, Adam Stadzinski, our great producer, and all the great producers that have helped us out through the year. We won't be back until next year, so this is our final show for 2021. I want to wish everybody, all our fans and listeners, even the people that don't like me, which there's a lot of them, David. I wish yeah. you all. I wish you all happy holidays. But Bruce, you know you're the curmudgeon, but there are a lot of people that like you too and enjoy. Hey, no one said, none of them said I was a curmudgeon. Now you're oh, on that really? list. Really? Did I say that again? I'm sorry. That's my favorite <laughs> word of the year. That's my word for 2021. Every Saturday morning, nine to eleven. It's been a lot of fun. I have enjoyed this immensely. Every Saturday between nine and eleven since we started back at the beginning of the year. And and uh, here's to more uh, Saturday mornings talking baseball. And let's let's here's the baseball returning in 2021 get this lockout stuff out of the way we can start speculating about trades again we can talk about carlos correa maybe on the north side bruce it has been a lot of fun and we have had some producers adam studzinski does a great job we've had guys who have been uh, through there and, and helped us stay on the air and and sounding uh, somewhat uh, listenable at times and uh, curmudgeonly at others so thank you very much yeah i will be back monday morning Talking Bears uh, with Mully on Mully and Haw, 5 o'clock, 5 to 9 every day here on The Score. Thanks to everyone for listening in the year that was uh, very memorable for a lot of reasons in Chicago baseball. Stay tuned. Saturday Suckage is next and 6.45 tonight here on The Score. Patriots, Colts, you don't want to miss that. Thank you for listening inside the clubhouse. Chicago Sports Radio, 6.70 The Score. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission.